the Blaze Radio Network. On demand. And go for Mike Slater in three, two, one. You're listening to Mike Slater, part of the next generation of talk radio, only on the Blaze Radio Network. Slater Crusaders, America's the greatest country in the world. Happy Saturday. So excited to be here. Glad you're here. I got to tell you, I am uh, very disappointed right now, though. You know, uh, his YouTube videos. Now, we were not going to make a YouTube video. I just want to be very clear. This would have been for our own personal amusement. Uh, But kids eating lemons for the first time. Have you seen these? Oh, they're hilarious. They're so stinking funny. So went to the Jacks, my son's nine-month doctor's appointment yesterday. And the doctor said, it's game on with food. You can do whatever now. Whatever you eat, you he can eat. So I said, including lemons? He said, lemons. I said, perfect. So this morning, not 10 minutes ago, we did Jack's lemon torture. <laughs> challenge, challenge. I mean, challenge. Loved it. He loved the lemon. He couldn't get enough of it. He kept eating it. And we're videotaping and waiting for some hilarious thing, and he totally won. So I guess that's what we get for being parents, using him for our own amusement. I didn't tell my wife this, but this is one of the main reasons I wanted to have kids, was for the lemon challenge. And Jack just totally ruined it. (laughs) Um, Lots to do, as always. Quick note, uh, I wrote a book an ebook. Uh, it's called how to change someone's mind. We're going to talk, it comes out on Monday. Uh, you can pre-order it now. You just go to the, uh, search for the Mike Slater show on Facebook. You'll see a link to Amazon right there. You can pre-order it. Uh, it comes out on Monday on ebook. It'll come out in a couple days on paperback and should be available on Monday in audiobook too. So you have all those three options. Um, we'll talk more about it next week. But just want to give you a heads up. If you would like to pre-order that, you can go ahead and do that. And that would be awesome. And someone wrote me on Facebook the other day. What's it about? I, th- I think they were joking, but I'm not sure. It's about how to change someone's mind. It's not about how to win an argument. I want to be very clear because if you buy this book thinking it's, it's going to help you win an argument, it will not do that. That's not what it's about. Uh, winning an argument is, is very different than changing someone's mind. Winning an argument is very easy, actually. Uh, You just talk more confidently than the other person and you can win. But what good is that? Because we don't just want to win arguments. That just creates more division. Ultimately, Uh, we need uh, need to gain allies. We we want people to agree with us. So how do you actually change someone's mind? That's what the book's about. uh, I wrote it to be read in an hour. So it's a quick, short read, and I hope you enjoy it. Again, go to the Mike Slater Show on Facebook. want to talk uh, the launching pad is going to be Trump's speech from Poland because I got a lot more to say about it but I'm not going to talk specifically about the speech uh, for the whole three hours but really that the bigger picture is culture remember last week we talked about Trump's speech in Poland in Warsaw and he gave a a full and complete well not complete but a, a very good defense of the West of Western civilization And we talked about how progressives criticized Trump doing this because to them, the West equals white Christians. And if you dare defend white Christians, 
then you're a bigot and a homophobe and an Islamophobe and all these other awful things. Jonah Goldberg said that we have reached a pathetic and dangerous point in our culture where anyone who celebrates our traditional culture, our country, and now our civilization must be doing so for base and evil reasons. All other cultures must be celebrated while every ill is blamed on us. Of course, talked about that a million different times, and this was a very good example of that. So I want to use that as a launching pad to a bunch of other uh, conversations here. 25 years ago, Alan Bloom wrote a book called The Closing of the American Mind. And uh, I want to quote a little bit here. He said, this is, again, 25 years ago. In the university, this means that this is just the down, just downfall of uh, intellectual thought. <laughs> this means classes devoted to pop novels rock videos, and third-rate works chosen simply because their authors are member of the requisite sex, ethnic group, or social minority. It means students will graduate not having read Milton or Dante or Shakespeare, or what is in some ways even worse, have been taught to regard the works of such authors chiefly as hunting grounds for examples of patriarchy, homophobia, imperialism, etc. This is the key line. It means faculty and students who regard education as an exercise in disillusionment and who look to the past only to corroborate their sense of superiority and self-satisfaction. I want to break that last line down there because that is good. That was 25 years ago. So what we're seeing on college campuses isn't new now. Uh, it's just being perfected and it's, it's hit the tipping point where now it's almost the entirety of it, but it's nothing new. So the point is that progressives only look to the past, according to Alan Bloom, oh, and, and I agree, only look to the past to find new ways to hate America, new reasons to hate white people, new examples of why Christians are the worst, all for the overall theme of why the West is bad. And what we see in our culture today that we're going to talk about for the next couple hours is the fruit of that labor, right? You have the people who grew up with what Alan Bloom was describing. Those people are now in charge or about to be. And here we are, not too long ago, and, and probably you, uh, if you went to college, had it was a required course, Western Civ. Those don't exist anymore. And, and where they do, uh, I read a great blog post from uh, a writer called Neo Neocon, and she said, where Western civilization is still taught, it's presented as a toxic stain on humanity, a poisonous brew of intolerance and exploitation of suffering non-Westerns people, only to be studied, to be condemned. So before, usually the, the format of kind of how we do segments is I'll explain the problem and then the solution. Uh, I want to flip that today and I want to start off here with what it should look like. Right? We never want to end a segment with just complaining. That's empty. We want to like highlight what's going, what's wrong, and then provide a solution. I'm going to flip it here, though. I want to provide the alternative, and it's not hypothetical. I want to go back and, and not, not go backwards to condemn, but to go backwards to look for guidance and wisdom. So first, I'm going to read something, and then I want to play something so we can hear it. This was an article in the New Republic magazine. It was published seven years ago about Winston Churchill. This author wrote, the Ultimate issue for Churchill was the advance of civilization. By the way, let me stress this again. 
maybe you missed last week or you missed this analysis. Trump said the word civilization, Western civilization, 10 times in his speech in Warsaw. And people on the left saw that as a dog whistle, a dog whistle, because what he meant by Western civilization was white people, white Christians, and really Nazis. That's they heard. That's they heard the dog whistle. But it wasn't that long ago when celebrating, encouraging Western civilization was self-evident. It was, let alone not controversial. It was well, yeah, of course. So anyway, the ultimate issue for Churchill was the advance of civilization, by which he meant the British and Western way of life. It's liberal laws, excuse me, liberal values, laws, culture, industry, and science. Liberal in that sense means like free. He saw Britain and its empire as propagators of civilization. He came to see the United States also as a guarantor of civilization. Now, Churchill considered Nazism vile and barbaric, a rejection of civilization in every way, which, quick time out, proves how absurd the notion that when you say Western civilization, you mean white Christian, because we spent a lot of time fighting white Christians known as Nazis. So they were white, but they had nothing to do with Western civilization. They were a rejection of Western civilization. So it has nothing to do with race whatsoever. Churchill's overwhelming love of country and civilization, his firm conviction that individuals can overcome adversity, his belief that great leaders can redirect global forces, and his uplifting oratory abilities allowed Churchill to shape the thoughts and feelings of his countrymen and save the country and civilization. That was only seven years ago when that was written, and the word civilization at that time was an acceptable word and an acceptable concept. But we have reached a tipping point today where if you say the word civilization, then you're a bigot. Western civilization used to be presented as something good, something worth saving, something worth fighting for and dying for. And it was a non-controversial fact. It was a truth among all truths. And today, if you say it, you're a Nazi. See how far we've fallen in that? That is insane. So what does it sound like? What does a defense of Western values sound like? I want to play a little bit here of one of Churchill's speeches. It's called the, uh, the Finest Hour Speech. Um, the whole speech is about good and evil. And and keep in mind when Churchill's saying this, um, it's before the Battle of Britain. It's before the Nazis uh, really invade. And the future of, of mankind depends on this battle. These are the stakes. And Churchill knew it. Others didn't, which is what gives evil power. But Churchill confronted the evil and inspired more people to confront it as well with this speech right here, 1588. What General Vagon calls the Battle of France is over. I expect that the Battle of Britain is about to begin. Upon this battle depends the survival of Christian civilization. Upon it depends our own British life and the long continuity of our institutions and our empire. The whole fury and might of the enemy must very soon be turned on us. Hitler knows that he will have to break us in this island or lose the war. If we can stand up to him, all Europe may be free and the life of the world may move forward into broad, sunlit uplands. But if we fail, then the whole world, including the United States, including all that we have known and cared for, 
will sink into the abyss of a new dark age made more sinister and perhaps more protracted by the lights of perverted science. Let us therefore brace ourselves to our duties and so bear ourselves that if the British Empire and its Commonwealth last for a thousand years, men will still say this was their finest hour. Trump, two weeks ago, said the fundamental question of our time is whether the West has the will to survive. If a lot of these progressives who are against Trump's speech the other day, if they were in charge, if they represent a minority view, then the answer is no. one 888 Now, if we fail, well, let me give an example next of the alternative of what you just heard from the great Winston Churchill. We'll do that next. Mike Slater Show, The Blaze Radio Network. Spread the word. Mike Slater. On The Blaze Radio Network. Mike Slater. I got a clip here I want to play from Monty Python's The Life of Brian. Uh, if you've never seen it, it's about a guy, Brian, who was born in the stable next to Jesus. And the three wise men come and they, they, you know, they follow the star and they get close, but they're just one stable over and they think that Brian is Jesus and uh, hilarity ensues. I think it's, it's interesting that this comedy was made in 1979 could only work if people know the story of Jesus, right? So, so for it to have been made and to have been received by an audience, like in order for the, in order for the jokes to, for, in order for the irony to be there, people would have had to know the story of Jesus. I think if this movie came out today, no one would get it. But anyway, so this is Brian. He's around a bunch of people, and they're they're criticizing the Romans. And I want to play this because I feel like this is the same as a group of college kids complaining about America and the West and Western civilization today, even though they bask in the glory of it every single day. Here it is. They let us wipe the bastards. They take everything we had, and not just from us, from our fathers, and from our fathers' fathers. And from our fathers' fathers' fathers. Yeah. And from our fathers' 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 fathers. Yeah, all right, Stan, don't labor the point. And what have they ever given us in return? The aqueduct? What? The aqueduct. Oh, yeah, yeah, they did give us that. Uh, that's true, yeah. And the sanitation. Oh, yeah, the sanitation, Reg. Remember what the city used to be like? Yeah, all right, I'll grant you, the aqueduct, the sanitation, the two things the Romans have done. And the roads. Well, yeah, obviously yeah. the roads. I mean, the roads go without sand, don't they? But apart from the sanitation, the aqueduct, and the roads... Irrigation. Medicine. Education. Yeah, yeah, yeah all right, fair enough. And the wine. Yeah. 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 
Yeah, yeah, that's something we've really missed, Reg, if the Romans left. <laughs> Public baths. And it's safe to walk in the streets at night now, Reg. Yeah, they certainly know how to keep order. Let's face it, the only ones who could in a place like this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but apart from the sanitation, the medicine, education, wine, public order, irrigation, roads, a fresh water system and public health, what have the Romans ever done for us? <laughs> Brought peace? Oh, peace! Shut up! <laughs> I think that's exact. It's true today, people today. What has Western civilization given us, really? Uh, uh, sure, freedom of speech and the press and civil rights and women's rights and choice and free markets and the rule of law. and Okay, fine. Every single thing that we bask in every single day and don't even realize it. But sure, other than that, why does the left hate? Why do some on the left hate Western civilization? I want to steal an analysis from Dennis Prager. One word, standards. Certain people are predisposed to hate standards. The left hates the West because of standards, moral standards, artistic standards, and cultural standards. And the West is built on all three of those. And people hate standards because where there are standards, there is judgment. And people hate to be judged. That's why our culture has perverted the Bible by saying, you know, who are you to judge? You're the, oh, who are you to judge? All right. Well, that means that you shouldn't judge someone based on you as the standard. You should judge yourself based on God and Jesus as the standard and realize where you fall short. Today, who are you to judge means game on. Right? You can do any and anyone can do any evil, rotten, disgusting, debasing, dangerous, and perverted thing. And you can't say anything about it because, oh, who are you to judge? Therefore, everything has to be right. Do you see the, uh, <clears throat> uh, someone posted, I think I saw this on the blaze. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, some mom was watching RuPaul's drag race with her, like, I don't know, eight-year-old son. And the boy said that he wanted to wear a dress and makeup. So the mom did and posted all these pictures of her little boy in drag and was super proud of it. And what the heck is wrong with you? Oh, who are you to judge? Well, listen, when you have no standards, then yeah, I, I guess I'm no one. But by every basic decent standard of Western humanity, you shouldn't dress your son up in makeup and women's clothing. What is wrong with you? On my local show the other day, just yesterday, we talked about architecture. We don't have time to do that today, uh, but modern architecture versus classics. Michelangelo is no better than the modern art garbage you see today. Rembrandt, no better than your average graffiti artist. Selena Gomez, new song, no better than Beethoven. Every African poet's better than Shakespeare because he's a white man. This is why the left hated when Reagan called the Soviet Union the evil empire. Because that would mean we are morally superior to everyone else and that's unacceptable. This is why the left defends Islam because Muslims hate the West and the enemy of my enemy is my friend. This is why the left hates Israel because they're Western. This is why they support the Palestinians because they're anti-Western. Enemy, enemy, my friend. Standards. People who hate standards, moral, artistic, and cultural tend to find everything wrong with the West. Mike Slater Show. Spread the word. This is Mike Slater. 
Part of the next generation of talk radio. On the Blaze Radio Network. Eight 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 nine hundred thirty three ninety three. Mike Slater is on. Slater Crusaders, thanks for being here. Happy Saturday. A couple more things I want to say about culture, if you don't mind. We've been talking about Trump's speech in Poland because uh, it, it, it highlighted so much that's wrong with this country. Not his speech. His speech did a great job. It was the reaction to the speech. And what's wrong with our modern society that anything that he said would be deemed controversial. I was going to say what he said should be celebrated, but it really shouldn't even be celebrated. It should just be self-evident. It should be should be nothing. Uh, but I feel like because it's being decried, we have to then celebrate it. And then it's it's worth celebrating because it's not self-evident. And it really, maybe I take it back. Maybe it shouldn't be self-evident because it is so unique in world history and in human history. Anyway, James Taranto, uh, Taranto has the best line about all this that I've read so far. You've heard the term dog whistle before, right? So if something's a dog whistle, Trump's speech, for instance, when he said Western civilization 10 times, you know what he really meant. Hmm? Hmm? You know. That was a dog whistle. So sure, he said Western civilization, but that what he really said... Uh, let's just say it was a wink and a nod to the clan. I mean, Chris Matthews hears dog whistles all the time. He did when, when Obama was in office. He said Chicago is a dog whistle when someone says Chicago. That's a racist buzzword. Lawrence O'Donnell said that uh, the word golf is a dog whistle. When you say golf related to Barack Obama, it was a golf, a, a dog whistle. Anyway, so James Taranto, he said, the thing that we as conservatives adore about these dog whistle kerfuffles is that the people who react to the whistle always assume that it's intended for somebody else. But the whole point of the metaphor is that if you can hear the whistle, you're the dog. So if you listen to Trump's speech and you hear white nationalists clan if you hear racist code words, you're the racist, right? If you can hear the dog whistle, you're the dog. If you hear the racist code words, you're the racist. No one else hears the dog whistle, only the dog and only the racist. I don't think we ended up playing it on this show, but there's a clip of Peter Thiel from his book, 1996. What's it called? The myth of diversity, maybe. And he gave a, a speech about it on C-SPAN. It's so good. And in there, he talks about how, um, People who look for racism everywhere will find it. But that's true for everything. If you look for baseball everywhere, you'll find it. It's, if you look for anything everywhere, you'll find it. It's, but that doesn't mean it's really there. But this is why black studies professors always find nooses everywhere. There was some college somewhere a week or so ago that they had a big investigation because someone found a like plastic... Uh, like saran wrap kind of and it was all bundled up and the end had a knot tied in it like a, like a hoop and they called it 
uh, a noose. Now, it would be a, a noose for hamsters because it was just a little, but that's a noose. Right, so if you're looking for, well, you know, of course, being used to hang black people, it harkens back to blah, blah. So if you're looking for racism everywhere, then yes, a piece of garbage on the ground is racist. Um, the other day at Seattle, Seattle, I think Seattle, the um, courthouse is so being overrun by homeless people and they're defecating all over the sidewalk that the people who run the courthouse decided that they were going to spray it down with power washers. And a city council member said, no, you can't do that because that's racist because that is imagery and symbolic of the hoses that were being used against black protesters during the civil rights movement. So you can't use power washers to clean off fecal matter off the sidewalk because that's racist, right? So if you want to find racism everywhere you can find it everywhere and if you hear it everywhere if you hear dog whistles everywhere (laughs) sorry that means you're the racist the problem with this though if you're looking for racism everywhere you'll find it but then you'll also find racists everywhere and then you'll make entire college majors about it but anyway i digress um This is a self-evident truth here that that Trump said. He said, America will never forget. The nations of Europe will never forget. We are the fastest and greatest community. There's nothing like our community of nations. We write symphonies. We pursue innovation. We celebrate our ancient heroes. Sounds fine, right? So someone at Huffington Post, excuse me, uh, Washington Post said, "We we write symphonies. What on earth does that have to do with anything? Mocking Trump's. Uh, line there. So again, that's a self-evident truth you would think, but I'll bite. Uh, What does it have to do with anything? Okay. Uh, Symphonies are important because the range of Western achievement is not just in government or in economics, but the full range of Western achievement in Western uh, civilization is, is government, economics, also science and art. And art is paintings and cathedrals, architecture, and symphonies. So he's just expressing the range of Western achievement. That's what that has to do with everything. Washington Post, in that one line, taken in context with everything else Trump said, all the other dog whistles. Oh, what I heard was the loudest of dog whistles. Uh, A familiar boast. A familiar boast that swells the chests of white nationalists everywhere. A familiar boast. Listen, I've, I've never been to a Klan rally, but are they talking about Beethoven? A lot. They're talking. They talk about how we write symphonies. That's one of the Klan's main points about white supremacy. It's weird. Um, all right, last quote from Washington Post. Those symphonies, Trump says, quote, we write, would be real lame without the influence of the Middle East and Muslims. According to Salim al-Hassani, editor of 1001 Inventions, which chronicles the enduring legacy of Muslim civilization, he told CNN years ago that the lute, musical scales, and the ancestor of the violin are all part of that Muslim legacy. Okay. So are you saying there'd be no Beethoven or Brahms or Tchaikovsky without Muslims? Or in the words of the Washington Post writer, 
uh, there's, let's say they did exist, their symphonies would be real lame. <laughs> That's what he said. So they'd be real lame. Why, right, right. Thank you, Middle East. Who was I talking to the other day? Oh, yeah, one na- uh, Phil Hotzenbiller, One Nation without, with Lawlessness. And he was talking about that the, there's a moment in history when the, during Jihad, uh, Crusadish era, when the Middle Eastern, Middle East was Christian and the Muslims took it over, right? So it's weird though because we assume, well, yeah, the Middle East, that's where the Muslims are, of course, and that's where the Muslims have always been. No, no, it, it, it's, it's how history has turned out, but that didn't mean that it needed to be the case that today Middle Easterners are uh, mostly Muslim. Isn't that interesting? But anyway, these Middle Eastern Muslim countries, since the Muslims have controlled them, have contributed nothing scientifically, artistically, or economically to the world in the last, I don't know, a thousand years. They do have oil. They have oil, which of course requires foreigners to discover and get out of the ground for them. But pretty think it's fair to say that uh, these Middle Eastern countries have contributed next to nothing in the last thousand years. But according to this person, our world today would be quote real lame without their contribution. In the words of Mark Stein, we'd be living in a loot free world. There'd be no loots, no loots at all. Oh my gosh. Could you imagine? Could you imagine living in that? Seriously though, today, if there were no loots, what would you do? I know it'd be real lame. I'll end here. This is the former prime minister of Malaysia, which is a Muslim country. He was the prime minister from 1981 to 2003. I think the longest serving prime minister. Uh, He was at an economic gathering of Muslim nations. And he said to other Muslims, we hire other people to do everything for us. The whole Muslim world is 1.5 billion people. And it's a huge consumer society procuring all of our needs from outside our community, including our defense and security. We produce practically nothing on our own. We can do almost nothing for ourselves. We, can't, we cannot even manage our wealth. So this is not me, white Westerner, saying this. This is the prime minister of Malaysia, longest-running prime minister of Malaysia uh, in their history. We produce practically nothing on our own. Not Malaysia, speaking of the entire Muslim world of 1.5 billion people. We produce nothing on our own. We can do almost nothing for ourselves. But this guy at the Washington Post wants to lecture us that symphonies wouldn't be possible if it weren't for Muslims thousands of years ago. The loot. Why did no one stand up when the prime minister said that and say, oh, Mr. Prime Minister, the loot. Don't forget about the loot. <laughs> I'll tell you, this is getting so bad that I don't, I, 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 this, if we keep going down this road, one day we're going to have a president who says that NASA wouldn't exist and that we wouldn't have been able to travel to the, to the moon if it weren't for Muslim nations and their contributions to science and math. And I just tell you, if we keep going down this path and that, Oh wait. Oh, we, we, we did have a president who said that. Oh, the last president, Barack Obama said that. That's right. I forgot. This is why it's nice to have a president who at least recognizes Western civilization and celebrates it because the obvious isn't too obvious anymore, apparently. 
1-888-933-93. Mike Slater Show, The Blaze Radio Network. Spread the word. This is Mike Slater on The Blaze Radio Network. This is Mike Slater. Uh, we got a few minutes here. Let me make this point quick. So this is uh, Linda Sarsour. This may be a good conclusion for the hour, talking about Western civilization to talk about the alternative. Uh, you've heard of this person, Linda Sarsour. I don't want to give her too much credit because that's what she wants. So a couple weeks ago, she called for a jihad against Trump. And people said she's calling for violence against Trump. And she said, oh, no, no, no. I'm, I'm reclaiming the word jihad to mean an internal struggle for personal betterment. It was you Western racist and Islamophobes who changed the meaning of the word jihad from personal growth to violent terrorism. So I'm just reclaiming it for what it really means. So when I say I'm, I want a jihad against Trump, I really mean that we need to improve our lives and blah, 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 blah. Just, uh, just deceit. We obviously don't have time to go into a full study of the Quran, but uh, it's about killing infidels. You, people of the West. The Quran says, slay them wherever you find them. So any internal jihad is for the purpose of external violent jihad. This is insane we're even having this conversation. Does this make sense? So, so any internal improvement to your life is for the purpose of external jihad but the point is that progressives and democrats are coming to sarsour's defense because they're inclined to their their ideology says they must remember last week or two weeks ago we played a clip of dave rubin an interview that he did with larry elder so larry elder is a, a black conservative dave rubin a Former progressive who's now says he's a liberal, but he's a good guy, good show. It's on YouTube and interviews a lot of conservatives. So I like him a lot. And he asked Larry Elder about racism and Larry Elder said, give me one example of it. And Dave Rubin said, oh, the black or white cops shooting black men. And Larry Elder just destroyed the entire narrative. Just up top, bottom, done, gone. He had nothing. Dave Rubin had nothing to respond with other than, well, I'm a liberal so I'm supposed to support the other. But you make a very good case, obviously. So he was torn. He's like, oh, you know, you make a good case, but I'm supposed to support the other. What does that mean? As a liberal, he's supposed to support the other. He's supposed to support, to knee-jerk, protect the other, in this case, Muslims and Linda Sarsour, against the majority. Who's the majority? White Christian oppressors. So progressives are inclined to believe her, to support her, to defend her over the values, the American values and our Christian values and our Western values. Isn't that amazing? She is considered, because she's a Muslim, she's the other. Liberals are supposed to defend and protect the other. Even if what the other stands for is contrary to everything that you stand for and everything this country stands for. This is what happens when you put tolerance as a priority above truth. Even above common sense, but above truth. When you put, put uh, tolerance 
of truth, then you get people defending this lady and jihad. Oh, no, it's just a personal betterment. That's all that is. Mm. I don't think that's how that works. one 93 Please check out our Facebook page. Search for the Mike Slater Show on Facebook. I wrote a book. I wrote an ebook. Uh, you can uh, pre-order it now. It comes out on Monday, so it comes out in two days. And the audiobook should be up by Monday. And we should have a paperback up in a couple days as well. That could be Monday too. So it could, could all be available on Monday, but you can pre-order the ebook right now. I would love it if you do that. It's about how to win an argument. I guess I should tell you what the book is, right? It's called How to Win an Argument. And that's what it's about, how to win an argument. I think it'll help you. Search for the Mike Slater Show on Facebook. You can check it out there. Spread the word. You're listening to Mike Slater. Part of the next generation of talk radio. On the Blaze Radio Network.